0: This podcast is sponsored by the ValleyGivesBack.org.
1: Hi hey everybody, welcome to Navalgazing Gazing, the Valley Indie Podcast. My name is Eugene Driscoll. Before we get to the program, I want to read a message from uh, this podcast sponsor, valleygivesback.org. When giving back, while giving back is always in season, now is a great time to plan your gift. Name a Valley nonprofit in your estate plan and create a legacy that tells future generations what mattered to you. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Your action will inspire others to make a difference in their own way. Remember the Valley. Ask your accountant, financial planner, or attorney about plan giving options. Plan now. Give later, impact tomorrow. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. Sorry for flubbing that a little bit. We're live and I'm a little rusty. My guest today is Andrew Backlick, the Chief of Staff for Derby Mayor Rich Zekin. Welcome back, Andrew.
0: Thank you, Dean. Thank you for having me.
1: So I thought we would just get right into it. Uh, Mayor Zekin announced through a prepared statement on Monday, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, October 14th, that he had tested positive for COVID-19. So first and foremost, best wishes to the mayor, and I hope uh, for a speedy recovery. I think uh, I was impressed by the amount of people on social media uh, sending encouraging messages Uh, to the mayor and I think uh, on a personal note uh, it also made me think about uh, all the people who work in in Derby City Hall and uh, it must have been a little uh, at least uneasy the last few days as the city is trying to to get through this as is the 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 country and the world uh, as this pandemic just sort of drags on and we're all sick of it like I'm sick of everything I'm sick of uh the, the conflict over it I'm sick of the virus itself I'm sick about being a, a worried parent all the time so it just seems to be never ending but uh, first thing I'll ask Andrew how's the how's the mayor doing I know he, he had said he had uh, cold-like symptoms I emailed him yesterday he emailed right back uh, how's the uh, mayor Zekin doing
0: so mayor Zekin is at home and he is recovering and as you said he's got kind of cold-like symptoms I think probably the most noticeable symptom is that uh, when he tries to talk too much, he, uh, he starts to cough. So we've been trying to limit him to uh, emails and, and correspondence that way. He has participated in a couple uh, conference calls and Zoom calls over the last couple of days with staff. Um, and he's actually on one right now for uh, the greater Bridgeport uh, MPO meeting that he's participating in. So again, I think he's just trying to kind of conserve his, his strength and certainly his voice. Uh, but for the most part, he's got a, he's got a cold. is really what what it comes down to.
1: And then uh, city hall was closed on Tuesday for uh, a phrase we all know now, a deep clean. Uh, there was it was disinfected. Uh, contact tracing has been going on. and then the decision was made late Tuesday to keep City hall closed to the public and employees uh, for another day today on on Wednesday. Last I had checked, in with, uh, with Derby, there was a suspected case, but there was, uh, people were waiting for uh, the results. Is there anybody, uh, any more t- positive tests uh, at this point?
0: So unfortunately we did have one more test come back positive, uh, of staff. We are awaiting results of a few others who had known contact with the mayor last week. Um, Um, my test result, I I was tested yesterday morning. My test result came back negative this morning. Um, but we have one other individual whose result we're awaiting. And that was, uh, kind of the genesis of, of closing today as well was to kind of keep the staff protected and until we kind of know the full scope of this thing. But as of right now, uh, we have no reason to believe that other than the mayor and the one other staff member that anybody else has any, uh, any, any reason to worry, we have uh, those two individuals were both symptomatic, the mayor and this other person. So uh, no one else has any symptoms, and, and no one else really had close contact with uh, the mayor or the other individual other than the one person who's still awaiting a test result, which we expect uh, any time now, actually. Uh,
1: okay, so two people have tested positive uh, in City Hall, and you're awaiting the result for a third test, that, and that person is suspected of, as well?
0: No, that person is not suspected. Just that person had uh, contact with both individuals who have uh, tested positive, including the mayor. So, oh, gotcha. Um, okay, yeah. So how similar, it, similar to. Go
1: ahead. How does it work? Because I know, like, I mean, one thing here, like, Derby City Hall. It, it's not like there's hundreds and hundreds of employees in there. It's a, it's a small business to some extent. Uh but there, so there's no HR department. You know, if this was at a uh, a private business, you might have somebody at least who's who's they they could prepare, and it's their job to deal with something like this. Like, how who who decides who gets tested now? How does that uh, all work, and and who sort of handles that? Given the fact that there's really no HR department in City Hall.
0: Well, that really we've been working, luckily, because of our uh, status, I guess, as a public entity, we had direct contact with not only in occupational medicine but also the health department so they really kind of help spearhead those efforts and and help us make those decisions there is certainly to your point no one on staff who's not only um, an HR professional but but neither is there a uh, medical professional so we've been really lucky to have uh, the guidance of of folks who uh, are you know in the medical world so essentially what it comes down to is uh Depending upon your contact and your level of contact with a known positive case, you, you fall into a different category. So I, I'm, I'm a good example, and I'll use myself because there's no HIPAA involved if I'm speaking about myself. So, um, and, and, and for those that don't know what HIPAA is, there's privacy rules as it relates to uh, medical um medical disclosure of medical information. So I tested yesterday just because I was with these two individuals last week in not super close contact, but certainly enough that I want to peace of mind for not only myself, but also my friends and family and people that I known to be around since, uh, since I was around in the mayor um, came back negative, but because of my level of exposure to uh, these two individuals, the health department's recommendation is that I continue to self monitor and quarantine for 14 days after my point of uh, potential exposure, so that will put me at next Thursday before I can go back to City Hall comfortably, and you know, as long as I don't uh, exhibit any symptoms in the in the meantime. So that's kind of a good example of a situation where maybe you think, oh, maybe if I can go back, um, and trust me, I would love to go back and, and be able to work in my office comfortably, but you know, working from home and keeping everybody else and having that peace of mind is a responsible thing to do. And uh, the thing we would insist upon for anybody else that falls into a similar category.
1: And if, if an employee in city hall wasn't deemed to have been in close contact uh, with anybody who might've contracted uh, COVID, can that employee go and get uh, tested as well as that, uh, you know, and is that a free thing? Can they do it under the use their city insurance policy? Uh, or do they have to be deemed having had close contact first?
0: We offered that to um, the entire employee base at City Hall. We certainly weren't weren't going to do just a one-blanket test um, because, as you pointed out, we really do have a small staff and really uh, with with people being kind of relegated to their own individual areas and us wearing masks when we're not in our own individual areas. So really the concern was the people who we're in close contact with uh, the mayor and this other individual. So um, we did have a couple other people submit for testing today based on even just passing contact. Um, so those people, again, will, will be off the board, at least pending their results, particularly those people that did not have a, a known exposure or close contact, let's say like myself. Um, so we'll, we'll, that's, for again, part of the reason why we, kept the doors closed today. And to be fair, there is limited staff in the building today. If people needed to get service uh, via the phone or email, they certainly can. Uh, I believe all the offices are staffed uh, with at least one individual Uh, because there was, again, such a small number of people who were actually known to be in close contact uh, that we kind of made that judgment call, especially knowing that the building was completely sanitized head to toe. Uh, yesterday, and some great effort by uh, our, our facilities manager, there, Pat uh, LeBrandy, uh, did spend some extra time there yesterday and had some extra equipment on site to be able to uh, to really give it a a good uh, a good deep clean, as you said.
1: And in terms of of the Naugatuck Valley Health District, I know, or I assume that uh, I know they're involved in contact tracing, and you're in contact with them, I assume, quite often because they're the ones we're getting all our data from. Uh, and I get a, a list every day, a report every day from the Naugatuck Valley Health District, and, and mainly it'll list new cases, and you can see uh, where the numbers are going. There was something like 30 or so, 30 and change cases uh, since Friday, and then last week the the area here picked up another 30 cases uh, but there's no real explanation of okay, well, is this what? What do these numbers mean? Uh, have you are we in an uptick? It, it feels like we're in a, a slight uptick. I know the state uh, has gone to 2.4 uh, percent in terms of its positivity rate, which is above the 0.8 or 0.9 it was uh, over the summer. What are you hearing on on the government end in terms of uh, COVID infections? So uh, from what
0: I'm hearing, and again to your point, we're in pretty regular contact with Northside Valley Health. We do have a Derby specific conference call with Nuggetuck Valley Health every Tuesday morning just to kind of talk Derby specific things and we've been doing that since March. So really I think that's kept us ahead of the curve in so many ways. Um, but the the issue with the uptick um, is not only do you have the kids back in schools, which uh, I think as you know there's been a limited number of positive that's come through our, our board of education, two, but also two since uh, yeah, so far too.
1: Yeah. Okay. Sorry.
0: So ahead. that's okay. But also it, it sounds like, um, allegorically what I'm hearing is that the, the onset in, uh, of youth sports has really kind of, uh, caused some of the, this extra little, little bump that we're seeing in cases. Um, because, I don't know what exactly the reason is for that other than the fact that, you know, kids are are getting together again and there's coaches and there's parents and there's people who maybe think they're following all the guidelines and doing the right thing, but you have face to face uh, football practice, baseball practice, uh, even cross country runners running next to one another and talking. I think what we're seeing is is a slight uptick that, that definitely that factors in. Um, So I know that's kind of a hot button issue. And as a former athlete, it kind of pains me to, to say that it, it's unfortunate that I think some of these kids are, are missing out and are probably going to miss out on more sporting events if this is the trend um, because it's, I think it's such an important part of your development as a young adult and a young person. But um, that seems to be part of the genesis of this. And I, I noticed just in my own personal life through social media a lot of people were getting together the last couple of weekends. It's like the end of summer, beginning of fall, there's pumpkin picking, there's all these other things. So, you know, I, I think people kind of dropped their guard a little bit over the last week or two. Uh, certainly from my own personal experience, that's what, what I'm seeing. But, uh, but definitely the youth sports is something I think that's paying, uh, paying a factor. Uh, yeah, the, the playing a state,
1: role. Governor Lamont and the state health department uh, the scientists and all those uh, eggheads—they they were saying, I guess, yesterday that uh, the, the the two the uptick in places like Norwich and New London were driven by small small social gatherings that people have been having, not necessarily just the fact that colleges and uh, and schools are back in session. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, I guess uh, you know, on on if there is a bright side to this. Uh, Actually, I don't know if there is one. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm just anticipating someone getting angry because we're talking about COVID.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, that's true. No matter what you say, you're wrong. Right. Somebody no matter what kidding. you
1: say, you're going to someone's going to get offended. Either you're you're, uh, yeah, you're fear mongering or you're you know not saying enough. But uh, I mean, or but, your that, but that's what we're dealing with here. And hey, it's uh, it's you know, it's uh, it's easy to go on social media and, and generalize. Uh, but you're literally uh, working with it in city hall. So it's, it's uh, something that's happening. So, all right. Is there anything else you wanted to add about COVID-19? I appreciate you talking about that uh, a little bit. No,
0: no, to your point, just, I think just that people can get easily triggered from one side of the other. A lot of people don't think this thing is real. Um, I certainly have been feeling healthy, but I tell you, I can tell you this over the last 24 hours awaiting my test results and the fear that as a, asymptomatic person that I could have been positive and could have been positive this past weekend around my family or anybody else. That was the thing that really bothered me. Yeah. But I have had close personal friends who have lost upwards of 30 and 35 pounds on this. I do know people who have died from this. So anybody that says, Oh, it's not real. I don't know anybody. Like I know people who have had it and, uh, you know, you've got to respect it. And whether you believe in all the hype and what's going to protect you and what's not going to protect you and how you should be behaving you be behaving, I, I believe that's up to you to make your own determination, but I can tell you that based on my experience over this last week and the ripple effect that has been caused by one and now two people that we work with every day having it, you have to respect it. Whether you believe it or not, you have to respect the, the possible outcomes uh, and, and whatever the fallout can be. So that's my message. And the only other thing, you know I heard early on in the process that I think is, is a good practice if you're going out in public just assume everybody's got this thing. Whether you believe it or not, just behave like people you encounter that you don't know and you don't know what their behavior is on a day-to-day. Just assume they have it, which means you should be wearing masks, you shouldn't be face-to-face for long periods of time, and, uh, you know, washing your hands, don't touch your face, all the things that we've all been drilled on for the last, you know, seven, eight months. I think that that's the best way to behave.
1: Yeah, we still got to stick to that. I'm a little nervous myself about Halloween's coming up, you know, and as a father of two, I was breaking the news to my kids in the car ride home that, uh, guess what kids, you're not going trick or treating,
0: (laughs) you know, and it's going to be like Easter. We're going to have, we're going to have Easter in the backyard. My my
1: son was sort of okay with it. I'm like, Jack, come on, look at, look (laughs) at some of our neighbors on Facebook. (laughs) They look what they're saying about this. We're not going to their house. Are you kidding me? So, uh, but my daughter was like beside herself, but, yeah, it, I mean, it's just such a weird time. I think I'm going to set up. I'm going to put a table outside, and, you know, the kids can still dress up. But I'm going to have, like, individual bags of uh, of candy that uh, if people come by, uh, they can grab. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do the door-to-door thing. Because, uh, yeah, it's like I'm surrounded by a lot of senior citizens, too, if one of my kids have it. Yeah. And they, they're totally fine because they're in school. They've been totally in school since uh, September 1st. Yeah, I mean, you think about... Uh, you know, knocking on a, a neighbor's door who answers to be polite and, uh, you know, who, who wants to take that risk? It's not, it's not worth it in my opinion, but all right. Well, now I we, agree. will we'll definitely get, i well, we'll definitely get hate now.
0: Well, the only thing is I think if you do send your kids out, like a good costume my dear, it's like the bubble boy. Like you can be bubble boy and you're protected. <laughs> Every,
1: right, yeah. 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 <laughs> now, but, well, my daughter just, she, there's that whole, that, 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 phrase yeet, which I guess means a lot of they, She wants to yeet the candy. Which, according to her, yeah, means me, you throw it to people when they come to the door. Just throw it at them. She's dead set. Me, on... Yeah, yeah.
0: trash. I don't know. I don't know all the verbiage. I don't have kids, so I can't uh, can't speak That's to that. But uh, yeah, I do hear that word. So it, hopefully, it's not a bad word, and we just swear on it. Uh,
1: so. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who knows what I just said? But. <laughs> all right so the other thing i wanted to talk to you andrew and this was sort of that what sparked my idea to send you an email and say hey would you come on for a podcast with no prep but i wrote the story based on a alderman meeting from last week where basically the city of derby uh took possession of this eyesore i mean this thing was an Eyesore. Maybe I'm uh, uh, editorializing here, but it's it w- it's on Minerva Street, right? It's on Caroline and Minerva. It's right across. If you if you go out like the back entrance, the plaza on the green, on the Minerva Street side, it's essentially right across the street. And I know that because when I would leave that plaza, uh you know, of course, after going to like Bar None or whatever, I'm, what uh, I can't remember the name of it. Retro. Uh, i would take a picture of it with my cell phone and put it on instagram because it was it just looked that bad going back uh to like 2014 or so and the city struggled with it at a lot of alderman meetings trying to get something done it was the, it was behind in taxes it was supposed to be this it was supposed to be that contamination it's a li- it's a little microcosm of how difficult it can be to uh get a property cleaned up, sold back on the tax rolls uh, in in Derby and Ansonia because of all the, it's just not as, it's just much more complicated than it is other places because of the industrial history of a lot of our downtown. So uh, I just thought we would talk about that a little bit because a resident, or I don't know if this is a resident, but just somebody in the Facebook group where I posted it made the comment, this is first name Gabe, I'm not using his last name because I didn't say I'd be reading this, but he said, it would be great to see some redevelopment focused on bringing in businesses. From my understanding, this is proposed as more housing. I believe it's apartments. Small businesses are the lifeblood of a community and would increase revenue with little increase in cost of services. Uh, which is, you know, I mean, that's, uh, he's absolutely correct, but I guess my, my question to you, Mr. Backlick, as one of the people who has now been assigned to this negotiating committee to, to, to the end goal being to get this property out of Derby's hands and into a developer's hands so it can be used in some fashion. Uh, how much control do you have, and who decides whether it's going to be apartments or an
0: Apple store?
1: How does our uh, iPad store? How, how does that work?
0: So, first of all, it's a very good uh, observation by by Gabe on on social media. Um, I I can say that the one thing I've learned, or one of the things I've learned, I should say, over the last three years is related to development, because we all want the same thing. I mean, we had all these Tourette's for years talking about what everybody wants to see downtown, and everybody thinks Norman Rockwell. Everybody thinks Mayberry. Everybody thinks businesses. And and if we can do that without residences, awesome, because to the point, we don't have any strain on the schools with additional bodies or emergency services or, or any other strain on the sewer system or whatever other uh, hot-button issue that people complain about when there's new residential. I can tell you this unequivocally, 100%. There is nobody, there is no developer right now who is going to come in and just do commercial development in Derby. It's going to be either strictly residential to try to build up our housing base and get the type of residences here that we all want to see in 2020 or best case scenario, a mixed use development with a residential component combined with some commercial and retail space. Um, But as everyone can see what's happening nationally right now, there is no more big office space. There are no big box stores being popping up. We don't, number one, we don't want certain parts of that. But number two, this is a new era here, and coronavirus has left a lot of people feeling even more uncertain. So I think if we can up our housing stock with, especially with one-bedroom and studio apartments, which is what this particular project we're talking about consists of, um, you're going to have people that want to take advantage of increased train service on the Waterbury branch line and being able to get down to to Fairfield County and New York City to work. You're going to have millennials who want to patronize the restaurants and services in the area. And then maybe once you have those things, you can attract some more commercial-based development. But really, it's, it's, it's a pretty clear order of operations for us here. We, we need to kind of build up the residential stock, and you've already got the approved project on Factory Street with 218 units. You've got Life Touch in uh, 90 Main Street about to head in for a residential uh, mixed-use project. You've got this project that could represent about 76 residential units. Now, you get all that assembled in a concentrated area downtown, and then we can start talking about, oh, let's get an Apple store. Let's get a, a doctor's office. Let's get a hotel and some banquet space or, or a large meeting room space. Those things all will come, but you have to up the residential base. You know, And, and as a homeowner here, uh, a property owner here, and you are one as well, Eugene, it's tough to put everything that we've been putting on the the backs of our residential tax base for the last 20 years as we await the always promised development. So, you know, trust me, that's what we work on every day. And (laughs) if we didn't have to stop to work on coronavirus protocols and all the other crazy things we have to work on and day to day, this would be all we work on every day. Mm. Unfortunately, based on our, our our situation, get to work on in about twenty percent of the time. So
1: I was just thinking, yeah, this is such just the conversation we're having is odd because it goes from uh, you know c- COVID nineteen uh, to to this. It's just such an right. insane time. But like, yeah, it, it made me think when I saw that comment, and it I, I it seems like. There's a chicken and egg thing that always happens, and it's been the debate in Derby for as long as I've been up here for whatever, 11 to 15, eleven as a reporter and like 15 as just somebody who's living here. There's always that debate. Well, if, if somebody proposes residential, then they say somebody else, someone will say, well, businesses, and then somebody will say businesses, and they want residential. It seems like the wins right now, the market, the people who, the developers and the investors, the people with the money, the owners are ultimately the ones who have the greatest say as to what goes where? And it seems like the market right now, the free market is definitely in Derby leaning towards residential. It, chicken and egg. They're choosing residential here to build that up first. Uh, so that just seems to, to to be the the way it is. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, this particular property, if you, I mean, it's just. There's just a lot to it. Just this one small single property, all the different agencies that have been involved uh, in it. It's not, it, it's anything. It's always, there's always special uh, uh, cases uh, in Derby and, and Sonia, it seems. But you had mentioned the project that uh, is down the road on the south side of Main Street there. We've got the Life Touch one and then behind it. Uh, is the former uh, lumber company, and now it was Beretta Landscaping. Uh, that what, what's the status of that project? Because that's a big one, and that's mixed use—that's residential with uh, commercial on the on, on the bottom. Sure. What's the latest on so now, that?
0: Because so, when are they gonna
1: break ground?
0: Exactly, and listen—that's that's a little inside baseball, but I'm happy to certainly update you because I know they say it's it's going to be one of those things. Oh, we've been hearing about this for 50 years, so. Uh, where that stands is we're in regular contact with those folks, with uh, the developers there, the Derby Downtown Group, um, and the ball is really in the city's court. And the ball is in the city's court because the one of the one of the contingencies with that development is uh, the removal of the scrapyard operation that is adjacent. So the city is currently in negotiations with uh, the scrapyard owner, and. Uh, we are attempting to get to a point where we're both comfortable with a price for that property. Once that happens and the city is in control of the yard and can uh, give the developers on Factory Street some certainty as to a timetable for that, they will then begin their demo, their environmental remediation of the site, and, and the subsequent construction. Um, the goal for them is to start construction concurrent with the Route 34 lighting project and then finish at the same time that that roadway project finishes. So we're looking at likely with a positive time frame to completion two to three years from this deck that they're done with that. But, but really the ball is in the city's court to, to figure out the scrapyard situation, and we're working with the state on that as we do have a, a $5 million grant, some of which has been earmarked. For property acquisition, so that was going to be my next question
1: because I've sat through Derby Tax Board meetings where they're uh, they're talking about yeah counting pencils because the city doesn't have any extra money. Uh, So how how are you going to buy that? You're saying there's some state grant money available that you may be able to purchase. It would it be an eminent
0: uh, eminent domain? Type deal? We hope to not have to. We hope to not have to go that route. We hope we can reach just a fair negotiation. Uh, through a fair negotiation, we can reach a price with the property owner, um, and and we're hoping not to have to go that route. But I think both sides uh, are amenable to to going that route. If we cannot establish a value, we will allow the courts to establish the value, and uh, just go that route. Um, so. We're, again, it's again inside baseball, confusing stuff, and uh, having been dealing with this for the last three, four months, um, every, almost every day. Uh, that's, that's the quick notes version of it that will the average person who's not involved in the city business every day will, will, will understand, I think, what the delay has been. Um, but that's, that's essentially it. And we're hoping that that's the first domino to fall, privately owned land. Um, the Life Fest building, uh, that, that was on privately owned land. Those folks are going to do with their, what their proposal is through planning and zoning as long as it meets uh, and is consistent with our plan of uh, development in, in the city. And, uh, and then we as staff can really start focusing on things like our 14 acres between the Derby and Bridge and Factory Street and how we're going to market that. Um, as well as the Opera House, the parking garage. Uh, Who knows if the courthouse is going to open back up?
1: Yeah, that courthouse Uh, is making me nervous because I know that the state has (laughs) has tried to...